You're listening to Welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on family, career, love, and culture. My name is Minji Chang, and I'm your host. This week for episode 11, I'm flying solo, no featured guest. We're going to get personal because I'm going to share a story about a recent audition that I went on that was strange, terrible, and empowering all at the same time. So I hope you're ready for that. Uh, really quickly, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to episode 10. Uh, my special guest last, last week was Shirley Chung from Top Chef. She's an incredible woman, and I'm just so grateful for the feedback that I got. Everybody who is tweeting or uh, commenting on the Instagram or sending me emails, I appreciate you so much. Um, I really love hearing all of your stories. So thank you to everybody who's been chiming in and letting me know that you're listening out there. It's really incredible to see that, you know, friends and strangers alike are really gravitating towards the content. And I love to hear feedback on what resonated with people. So thank you for that. And with that said, I'm just going to dive right into this uh, segment today, which is about, you know, one of my one of the facets of my life, which is being an actress. Um, and I recently had a really unique audition experience that that resonates a lot with me right now. I mean, it always does. It's my life. But also because of the recent kind of viral, I want it to be more viral, actually, the article that was shared by Amber Tamblin, who is an actress, and her conversation, her uh, rebuttal to James Wood and James Wood denying that he was being a creeper once upon a time when he hit on Amber when she was 16. Um, For those of you who haven't gathered by now, living in modern society, that being a woman in the entertainment industry can be pretty challenging. Um, obviously, I'll I'll acknowledge we're in a much better situation now than ever before. There's there's so many much there's so many more respectful people, so many more people who advocate for women, who respect women, and don't put them in compromising or threatening situations. But given that, I must also say that we still have a ways to go. Right. I want to acknowledge that there's good happening out there, but we got a ways to go. Point in case being um, what happened in my life last Saturday. Um, so just to give a little bit of context, my main full time job is running a nonprofit called Collaboration. I'm the executive director and that nonprofit takes up a significant amount of my time, but I get to work with Asian American Pacific Islander artists. The nonprofit is focused on being a platform to discover, connect, and elevate Asian American Pacific Islander artists. So we do a number of live talent showcases all across North America. We do smaller events like open mic nights. We do networking events. We do a conference, which is taking up the vast majority of my life right now, that and uh, my new condo, which... I actually will make another podcast episode to explain that journey. But um, my life's pretty busy. But back in 2012, back in 2011, 2012, right on the cusp of that year, I decided that I wanted to, you know, live uh, authentically. I wanted to live my dreams. Um, 
I wanted to really kind of take on this artistic side of me that I've had ever since I was a really small girl. I started acting when I was four in church, doing church plays, doing church musicals. And uh, thanks, Mom. I got hooked. and But then at the time, I didn't know that it was an actual viable career choice, which ties into what I do now with collaboration because we want more... Asian Americans to get out there and become artists because it is a great career. It's a very fulfilling career and it actually has a very special, specific impact on diverse representation, which is a really hot topic these days. So for a number of reasons, I didn't ever think that becoming an actress was a real option. And on the other hand, I was really, really passionate um, about school. I was a huge nerd and I really wanted to become a doctor. So I really went 110% into that career path starting in high school, starting in ninth grade. I started doing a health and bioscience career pathway at my school. Shout out to Amador Valley High, class of 03. I love you. Shout out to Mrs. Emerson who started that program. She's a bomb. Teachers are everything. Um, and that carried through college. I majored in public health. And then down the road, After having volunteered with collaboration for a number of years, I decided, you know what, there is a tie. There's an intersection between everything that I believe with public health, which is um, addressing health issues on a population level. So whereas doctors really kind of go one to one with their patients, public health is looking at grander schemes. It's like applying sociology and psychology to medicine and saying, why do we have teen pregnancy? Why do we have obesity? What causes uh, high blood pressures in this specific population, this ethnicity, this age group, right? Um, It's looking at everything kind of from a broader scope. And I felt like that was really applicable actually to the arts. I felt like acting was a skill. It was a passion of mine that, you know, had been developed since a really young age. And that through art and the growing impact and power of media, I could do something with that. I could affect how we view the world, how we deal with our feelings, um, dealing with mental health, dealing with sex, dealing with um, our, you know, ethnic diversity, our cultural identities, all of it. To me, it was like the perfect blend, actually. Acting was the culmination of everything that I cared about. And to this day, I believe that it still is. And I think I always will. I'm going to like always approach it through that nerd lens. But on the other hand, it's really, really fun. I mean, I'm one of the most emotional persons that you might ever meet. I, I can cry at the drop of a hat, which comes in really handy when you're an actor and you need to just emote and be able to switch things on and off. Um, but it can take a toll. It's a very it's a very all or nothing kind of craft. And if you're planning to be a professional and take it seriously, for a lot of different reasons, it requires you to dive all in. You have to be very emotionally vulnerable. Um, you have to kind of dig, not kind of, you have to dig really deep. If you're going to bring up a feeling playing wise, you have to really feel it, right? So when you're feeling rage or you're feeling sexy or you're feeling ridiculous or feeling embarrassed, those emote and read the best on camera or on stage when you're actually really bringing those emotions up. So the overarching thing is acting in and of itself is, is uh, it takes a lot out of you. But that's why I love it. Secondly, it's highly competitive. I mean, this could be a whole podcast on just learning all the different layers of, of I don't want to say like how diff, yeah, but how hard it is. But that's also what makes it great, you guys. I don't know. 
I'm just, this particular challenge, I get a kick out of it. I, I, I'm not competitive in every realm, but in this one, I'm like, yeah, let's play. So that being said, that's kind of the context of my uh, transition into acting, why I love it. It's a very small grain of that because I could go on forever. But as an actor, I've been pursuing this very much on the side. It hasn't become my full-time thing yet. That will be down the road. Um, And I'm figuring that all out now. There will be another podcast on exploring careers. Um, But I am committed to acting. I definitely want to keep it up as much as I can in all my free time. I've been taking classes for five years. I'm with the Beverly Hills Playhouse. I think it's an amazing school, one of many amazing schools, but that's my jam. Shout out to my Beverly Hills Playhouse family. Um, I've been taking classes for the last five years now. And um, not just scene study classes. There's also improv. You take commercial classes. I mean, once you get to L.A. and you're really taking that seriously, you see the the nuances between the different mediums. There's difference between uh, comedy acting and drama acting. There's a difference between being a drama actor on HBO and then being a drama actor for, like, CSI. It's all awesome. But it can be really grueling. So this story has to do with an audition that I had because part of the hustle of being an actor is taking jobs with a bit of a leap of a faith. Um, You you have to register for casting websites. The two primary known are LACasting.com and Actors Access. Now, once you become a member of these casting websites, which you're paying each month, not only to get notifications about what projects are out there, you also pay to upload headshots, you have to pay to upload videos of yourself, all of which are necessary to even get considered for these jobs. So what I'm also painting a picture of, it's just freaking expensive. It's freaking expensive to be an actor. You gotta pay for a lot. It's a lot of pay to play. Banking off our dreams, you guys. Um, So again, it's an investment. You get all these submissions, your inbox gets flooded with all kinds of projects, everything from tiny, nonsensical, zero-budget projects to, you know, you could literally be in, like, Seth Rogen's next feature film because a lot of those actually do use those websites and they're not going to put all the big names on it. They're just going to keep it very obscure and vague, and sometimes it's really just kind of like the lottery. You, you don't know what you're submitting for all the time. So in that process, you know, I've learned... Over the years, because I've been doing this for five years, you know, on the side as a side hustle, but I've been submitting almost every single day during that time um, and noticing what kind of jobs I want to be part of over that journey. You learn what uh, your casting is, what kind of jobs you want to do, what kinds of jobs you would be likely to be hired for. You read the descriptions. You kind of have to distill a lot of information and read through the lines a little bit. You have to look at the character descriptions. Does it fit you? Is it coherent? Does it seem like it's a good project? Um, Are they paying you? If they're not paying you, what do you get in exchange? Because you want footage. You know, when you're beginning, you want footage so you can create a reel, which is your, you know, visual, audiovisual resume. And you want you know, credits, you want IMDb credits, you want to build your portfolio so that you can increase your, your, you know, viability as a as a paid actor. So one of these uh, acting jobs that I saw last week was actually for a, a comedy, a YouTube comedy pilot. And 
I actually began my career really wanting to just do drama. I wanted to be Meryl Streep. Still do. But over over the years, I mean, especially last year, I started doing some BuzzFeed skits and I realized how much I freaking love comedy. And in loving it, I found out that I'm not too bad at it. And I have a, an extremely expressive face. Everyone comments on my eyebrows just having a life of their own. So, you know, I've been really into comedy and I realized, you know, I want to be Meryl Streep and Amy Poehler. So, Amy, if you're listening to this, please call me because I want to work with you. I want to be the next Leslie Nope. Um, so I, I submitted to this project, the casting call. Again, in the casting call, people can be very vague and broad and just say, I need a female between 20 to 30. Um, they can specify, I need brunettes or I need, uh, you know, blonde haired girls. I need girls, you know, tons of girls that are like busty. And trust me, as a, as a woman actor, you, you, you get the spectrum. You, you get, (laughs) you get casting calls for everything and you see a lot of trends. Um, so this one called for an Asian, petite Asian female between 20 to 30. And the description was, uh, a girl who is on a Tinder date and it goes wrong, but she maintains a good attitude about it or something like that. It was, I should have this with me. I'll find it and I'll, I'll share it. But, um, you know, from the description, it looked pretty legit. I was like, okay, this is not a paid gig, but I'm down. This sounds my casting. I want to do something funny. If, I mean, Tinder dates happen all the time. I've gone on them. If we can make something funny about it and make it a successful YouTube pilot, I'm game. So I submitted to it. Um, The other thing is that I hadn't submitted to something in quite a while because I've been really occupied, again, with running collaboration and uh, moving, you know, dealing with being a new homeowner. So on purpose, I had not submitted to stuff in quite a while. And so I was really excited about this. And I had a good feeling like, oh, you know what? I fit this character. I have real footage. I think they'll like me. I hope I get this audition. Let's do this. Sometimes you just get good vibes. So I submitted to this maybe on a Wednesday or Thursday. And again, my life goes a million miles an hour. So I'd kind of forgotten about it. I got a text on Saturday morning. And uh, this was this past Saturday. No, not this past. A week ago Saturday. And um, they asked me, hey, can you come audition today? That's not that common because usually they'll give you a day or a week, you know, a range of time beforehand to call you in. I was like, well, today I had a lot of, you know, condo prep that I needed to take, but this was a fun gig and I want to take that chance. So I decided I was going to take an hour, hour and a half out of my day to drive from where I live into more central L.A. And it took me about, you know, 35 minutes to get there. And again, just a tangent and paint you the picture. Again, the cost of being an actor. It's your time. You got to go on these random, sometimes obscure auditions. And you got to go from, you know, downtown to Santa Monica. These are not short treks, okay? These are, they, they, they are laborious. They take a lot out of you sometimes. You're sitting in traffic for a job that you're competing with God knows how many people who may or may not look exactly like you, who would be just as talented of an actor as you. Anyway, it's part of the beauty, guys. It's the journey. So I go to Central LA. I get to the casting call. They they had told me through the text, we're actually filming today. So it'd be great if you could stop by set 
and then we can audition you kind of with the existing cast and crew. That'd be really cool because then you you get the vibe. And I was like, this sounds great. Let's go. Let's do it. So I agreed. Again, paying close attention to how the conversation's going. Is there anything weird? Is there anything uh, off-putting about it? Everything seemed fine. I show up to the audition and uh, it's at an apartment. It's at an apartment uh, in, in the middle of like mid-city in Los Angeles. I step up. Um, I'm trying to get find out which apartment I'm going to. A wonderful, beautiful, friendly, gorgeous blonde woman comes and escorts me um, to the, the to the proper apartment. I'm following her, and I get in there, and and then I'm introduced to two men. Now these two men are really friendly. They're very nice. They're very professional. One is African. He's from Africa. He has a bit of an accent, you know, and um, and then the other male is Hispanic. He's Latino American. And we're just chatting. Everybody's friendly. It's cool. Good vibes. And then I sit down on the couch. I'm just like, okay, so tell me about this role. What am I about to audition for? Because you said Tinder date. It's funny. What do I got to do? So then this is where things got, you know, you just kind of feel the energy shift. And then the guy... They're just laughing. They're like, you know, the the story is, you know, we want it to be really funny. So we want you to be able to portray a girl who's really excited about meeting her Tinder date for the first time and be really comfortable with him. Now, caveat here in the description of the character, they had said that my character has to be comfortable with kissing. And again, for me, for comedy, yeah, it's 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 not something I'm just like, hey, yeah, let's do it. It definitely makes me like, oh, shit, can I do this? This is like, I don't know. It's still a thing. Um, I'm not there where I'm like, yeah, I'll make out with anybody. Just hand me that person. But I was like, if this is good and this has the potential to be good, I'll be game, especially if it's for something funny. So he is like, you're meeting your Tinder date for the first time. He grabs this like big poster board with the storyboard on it and something taped to it. And he's just reading it and he kind of goes quiet and he starts laughing. And then he's just like, here, I'll just let you read it. So he hands it over to me. I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm reading this. And the the two guys are kind of just like smiling and laughing to themselves. And I'm reading the characters. Now, this is the breakdown of the two scenes. Scene number one is that petite Asian girl, me, you know, like excitedly runs up to her Tinder date, who happens to be a black man. I jump on him. I'm like, okay, we're meeting for the first time, but apparently I'm like really into this guy. We've been texting for a long time, apparently, or sexting rather. I jump up on him. I straddle him. I like wrap my legs around him and then I kiss him deeply. Okay, that's scene one. Scene two is me getting wheeled out of the apartment or the house or whatever, the place that we were at, me getting wheeled out on an ambulance bed with a very content, happy smile on my face. Then after I'm wheeled out by the ambulance, the EMTs, we have my date walk out of the door after me, the black man, and then his other friend, who's also black, walks up to him and says, damn, N-word, you tore that pee up. Whatever, I'll say, tore that pussy up. That's the line. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sitting there. I didn't tell this story right. The third guy, there was a third man that walked in. Um, he was also black. And then 
Another woman was also there. She she emerged from the bathroom or something. She was also a tall, gorgeous, blonde woman. So I'm there with five other people, um, three men, two women. I'm the little petite Asian girl. And I'm sitting with this storyboard, and I'm just, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. And it was just fascinating. Mind you, my work revolves around Asian American representation. That is something that I deal with, read about, talk about, hear about, and just kind of think about on the daily. I'm going to be real with you guys. It gets exhausting. On all the different social justice fronts, identity, gender, you know, ethnicity, all of that, it's, it gets exhausting. And then on top of that, that I'm working on this platform that's supposed to create equality or more respect and uh, recognition and uh, less whitewashing and less yellow facing. I'm also a woman and I'm also an actress. So I'm sitting there and I just don't know what to say. The thing is, this is not my first uncomfortable situation. This is not the first awkward uh, audition that I've had. Excuse the noise. I'm in my garage again, guys. But anyway, I'm going to power through. So mind you, this isn't the first awkward, uncomfortable situation I've been in with an audition. Thankfully, I haven't been asked to do anything supremely, you know, uh, dangerous or degrading or anything like that. I mean, I've one of my worst auditions was where I had to play an anime character. And that'll be another story for another day. But this one just... You guys, I avoid these types of these auditions and these casting calls like the plague for a reason. You know why? Because there's so many of them. I cannot, again, I get at least like 100 casting calls a day, at least. And I really want to go back. Like the, the, the research nerd in me wants to go back and I want it like, catalog every freaking role i'm not saying they're all bad there's some really great roles and that's a challenge for women in my scene study class do you know how hard it is to find a scene where it's just two women where they're not talking about boys or sex where one of them's not like i don't know it's just finding like meaty roles where there's good dialogue and conversation between women is a challenge why are we surprised when 85% of the writers out there up until now, you know, it's changing now, but up until now have been men and majority white men. So we're changing that. Things are changing, but there's limited roles as is. And I cannot tell you for my age range, how many of them require nudity, how many of them require sexual situations. And here's my thing. I'm not a prude. People have sex People have relationships. It's a normal part of life. But I'd be really, really curious to to be a guy. I want to literally I want to make like a fake profile and and be the same, like be an Asian American male and see what that I really want to kind of just do it across every ethnicity and age range and spectrum just to see, just to compare what kind of stories are being written and created around these types of characters, right? But anyway, I'm telling you, it's it's a very common theme. I've become pretty normalized to it which is just 
apparently not normalized enough because it still bothered me, but pretty normalized. It's not nothing shocking. And for any of you fellow actresses out there, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's nothing new to find somebody saying that you have to be comfortable being in sexual situations. You have to be uh, comfortable with partial or full nudity. Um, and these are very serious things. You have to. I've done casting calls for my own projects. You have to be very specific about everything that the project entails. So again, I was putting myself out on a limb. I signed up for this. I signed up for the Tinder date. I just didn't know that it was going to go this way. Okay. So I'm sitting there, and this is why I'm I'm taking the time to document this story because for myself, I want to give myself a little bit of credit because I didn't start crying. I didn't get so flustered and red in the face that I just walked out because that's what I've done in the past, not only in auditions, but in other situations where I felt degraded or disrespected or uncomfortable or scared. I wasn't ever able to like calmly, stably hold my own. And I'm a pretty outspoken person. And I'm a pretty, at this point in my life, a lot more comfortable and confident in my own skin that I, I feel like an, I, I can advocate for myself. And it's taken me this long to speak clearly and directly with somebody about this. So this is what happened after I read the storyboard. I look at the guy and I said, can you, can you, um, can you just explain, am, uh, what are you trying to say with this? That's what I said. What are you trying to, what, what is it that you want to say with this sketch? I gave him a shot, you know, I wasn't like running out the gate yelling at him or like, what, what the fuck are you doing with, you know, I was just like, what are, what are you trying to say with this? And so, you know, the two guys, they're laughing. There's a third guy who's their producer. And I think the guy that was going to play my date that I would have to kiss deeply and I didn't know what they were expecting at this, this audition like were you expecting me to like practice make out with him you know anything goes you're just like confused and I asked him what um the point was of this sketch and they were just joking well they're like oh well you know there are some you know in some circles people laugh because you know he's basically trying to paint this picture of this the most like arcane basic ass stereotype that everybody on the planet knows that the black man has a giant dick and that the Asian girl is like I don't know either like it's just such an extreme either we're like super like innocent and naive and like oh if we touch your hand you're like oh my god like schoolgirl, which is nasty like I think I think it's just nasty and then on the other side it's like you know geisha prostitute like me love you long time happy ending massage chick okay that's the those are the two options that we've had for asian chick and now we're trying to normalize it but this guy's like you know painting the hypersexualized girl so he's explaining he's like explaining these stereotypes to me as if i didn't know bless his heart and i was like i kind of cut him off and i said look i yeah i i know yeah there's stereotypes i got that what are you trying to say about that what's the comedy I'm sorry, but I'm having a hard time seeing the joke. And so that's where he got a little, like, lost for words because I didn't think he was expecting to be asked to his face, what's the joke? To him, I guess this whole thing was, like, really funny because him and the other guys were, like, they're laughing. They're like, you know, oh, man, you know. And I'm just like, I don't. And then I was so happy. I finally found the words, and I was super chill. I was like, I don't find this funny. I don't think it's funny. I'm not finding the the joke in this. And um, again, these guys were really nice. And they're like, you know, if it's something you're not comfortable with, 
then like that's okay. You just let us know. We get it. You know, it's raunchy comedy. So I looked at him and I was like, I have no issue with raunchy comedy. I watch it. And honestly, if if that raunchy comedy was to have a real joke or to say something about us as humans or society, I'd be down. Like it would be out of my comfort zone for sure. I told him it would be out of my comfort zone, but I would do it. But the issue here is that I'm not seeing the joke. I'm not seeing what's funny. And he's like, wow, okay, well, thank you for like being so direct. I Okay. And then I had this moment in my head of like, okay, are you going to leave it there? Or are you going to say what's really on your mind? Because I had a lot more to say. And usually, usually my MO is I'm going to cut it off there and I'm going to get the fuck out. I am so uncomfortable. I don't know if I don't want to seem dramatic. I don't want to... Um, ruffle any feathers i don't want them to feel like i'm disrespecting them i don't want to uh start crying i don't want to be scared all sorts of things run through my head but for some reason this time again again props to these guys because they were so receptive to what i was saying i felt i felt no uh restriction speaking my mind so i actually continued the conversation and so what i said after that was this i said look i need to tell you why I'm turning this down. I'm going to turn this role down, um, not because I have issues with sexuality, but because I don't think that this this quote-unquote joke that you're making is particularly funny. And B, I need you to know that this actually impacts my real life. And I said this without crying, without freaking out. I told him, I'm an Asian-American woman. I know that I am the most fetishized of all the women out there, apparently. And that some people have said that to me that, like, it's an honor, you know? Like, every guy wants to fuck me. And, ooh, like, I don't really wear that as a badge of honor, but thank you? But no thanks. I told him, I've been grabbed. I've been catcalled. I have felt unsafe. I have felt angry. I have felt disrespected. I have felt degraded. I have felt fetishized. I have felt objectified like every other woman out there. This is not something that I feel a lot of motivation to put on camera. Because what I said to him was, I, all I see based on the description and what you're telling me is that you're just taking a stereotype, well-known stereotypes, and putting it on camera and then having a laugh at it. But what that stereotype does is make my life harder. I work really hard and I didn't go through the whole spiel I went through with you guys on this podcast to explain. I put a lot of work and I put a lot of myself and I put a lot of money and I put a lot of time and thought and creativity in towards being a good actor. And this isn't saying anything. It's not anything that helps society. It's, not, it's definitely not anything that helps me. So I don't want to take this role. And this guy... I think all of us are kind of just didn't think that the this like comedy audition would go this deep. I certainly didn't expect it, um, but I said it. And the girl, there was actually one of the beautiful women was sitting right behind these guys in a chair. And she kind of locked eyes with me for a second. And she she made like the slightest nod. She was just like nodding to what I was saying. And that felt great because I felt solidarity from my fellow women because I, I had to speak up for myself. And I want to share this because 
this is this is a very continuous subject that needs to continue to be talk about talked about. And it's a funny thing that everyone knows that it happens, but they don't hear about it in detail. Not just what happened, but how it felt. This one actually felt really good because I was able to handle myself. And afterwards, they shook my hand. They thanked me for my honesty. They accepted my resignation from the role that I didn't want to audition for it. And I walked out, which was awkward because I like put on my shoes and we're just like, I'm not doing this. Take care. You know, it was very cordial. And then I had to like put on my shoes. So it's like a little awkward silence. I walked out and there was another really pretty young white woman coming in for her audition and I was like in my head I'm just walking out going like god what is she gonna have to do what are they gonna make her do and again I'm not trying to like pose it that these guys are predators that they're intentionally trying to degrade women but these are the conversations that in my opinion probably aren't happening as much as we'd like for a lot of very valid reasons for the fact that sometimes you're just scared and you just want to get out of the room or you don't know how they're going to react and also it's just real power dynamics. When you are a fledgling actor, you want to be of service to the director and the writer. You are trying to land a role. It is an interview. You have 30 seconds to a minute to convince these people to give you the time of day to put you in the project, to cast you and like become part of this collaborative thing. And in your mind, they hold a lot of power because they're the ones calling the shots. So whether you're an actor, actor or actress, whoever you are, in that dynamic, the power is already very much established, okay? So then when you come into the play of, like, sexism or just being fetishized or whatever, it's already an uncomfortable situation. I get it. I feel I, I feel so hard. This, like, brings me to rage and to tears and to just a broken heart that I know that this happens. Why? Because it happens to my friends and it happens to me. So it's not an irrational assumption to know that it's still happening despite all this progress that we've made. So in the maturing of this conversation, I think it's a good sign. I want to keep this on positive thing. It's a good sign that I was able to, to speak my thoughts without breaking down and that these guys were receptive. That is a very good sign. The shitty side is that they're still going to probably make it. You know, I really don't know if I made any sort of true impact, if they're going to reevaluate their script, if they're going to change their storyline, if that's going to alter the type of content they make. Who knows? All I know is I walked out of there and I felt good about it. And um, now I'm sharing it on this podcast. The reason why I'm sharing this story is because for those of you who are not a part of the entertainment world, whatever your respective world is in, please... Just be aware that there are different power dynamics. There, there's still massive gender inequality. We are making headway, but this is by this is far from being done. You know what I'm saying? Um, it is a very intimidating situation for for women for a lot of different reasons um, to speak up and to be able to articulate just how shitty it feels, and then sometimes. You just feel indignant. Like, why do I have to explain how shitty it feels to be condescended to or to be treated as the butt of a joke or to be, you know, like one of the things I realized 
why it was such a big feat for me not to break down is because I've been in situations where I've cried and I've still spoken my mind. But I know for a fact, and I was told this later on, that people just equate me being emotional and being expressive to like, oh, she's just being emotional. Again, that is another way of dismissing somebody's like real shitty experience. I wasn't crying because I was like PMSing. I was crying because I was angry and I've dealt with this in so many different forms in way more intense forms than this in large parts of my life. And I probably, you know, I don't want to keep painting this picture like it's going to happen again. But statistically speaking, it's probably going to happen again. Right? And it just gets old. It's tired. I don't want to walk into a room full of men and expect to be mistreated. That's terrible. Because there's so many men that I love. I don't want to think the worst of them. But it evidence shows there's a likelihood that it'll happen. We still live in a society where we where we condemn women for what they were wearing and where and when they were walking. And that is the bulk of the conversation still. The missing part of the conversation is the part of how that feels to be minimized, to be degraded, to be objectified. And you're not having that conversation with the men. You know, I have two brothers. I make it very clear that bless their hearts. I love them so much. They're my best friends. But I, 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 I'm pretty vocal with them about how I expect them to treat their girlfriends and my brother's married, you know, that they need to come at it with empathy and with respect and to not minimize a woman if she's on her period. You know what? You're the result of that. So take it down a notch or 10 and be kind, be compassionate. It's there's so many again, this is this could turn into a really long podcast, but I just needed to take this moment to acknowledge that there are women out there who deal with this in various forms, in various uh, manners, in different scenarios, in different industries, in different circumstances. They all take a lasting effect. Um, It accumulates and it in general is is very exhausting and very discouraging to be fearful all the time, to be um, feeling like you're in the wrong for some reason or that you can't stand on your own two feet or that you can't expect respect out of somebody else. And again, I'm not saying that all these things are intentional, but they certainly are a reality. So I hope that, you know, moving forward, I just want to say thank you to everybody, men, women, and non-gender identified folks who, who do speak up, who, uh, cause it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of energy, you know, even if it's, it's not that big a deal. Again, this didn't feel like I was being brave cause I finally felt like I was pushed to a point where I could be comfortable, but it takes energy. It just takes energy out of your day that you could be using towards something better but I also think that um, if you if you are abro- approaching this subject, it is worth your time. Um, it is awkward. It can definitely be awkward and uncomfortable. People can get defensive. But I also think that we're at a point where we can really start to have that conversation. And I think this audition was actually proof of that. Um, yeah, that's just one little step in one audition that I needed to explain for half an hour. And I'm really glad that I did and that you guys got to sit in with me to share that journey. Uh I, I harbor no ill will towards the guys who made that short, but I hope they heard me. I really hope that they listened 
and realized, you know, things that gets put out there in the universe, especially things that you're trying to make go viral, they they play out in people's lives. They it does affect how I, my cousin, my friends, my future daughter, my future nieces, how they're going to live in this world, how they're going to be treated or mistreated by other parties, including other women. You know what I mean? Um, this is a much bigger topic, but I'm grateful to all the people who have given me their, their praise for what I did. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. It was, I felt good, but also it's a much longer journey and there are people who have done far braver things, but I also think that the little conversations, the things that will happen in private when no one else sees or may, you know, you don't have your own podcast to share what happened or you're going to put it on Facebook or whatever. There's a lot of conversations that are going to happen that um, don't meet any sort of public acknowledgement, but they're still just as important. That's what I want to say. Um, and I hope that my story sheds a little bit of light on where we're at. So in any case, thank you for listening to episode 11. Uh, my, 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 I don't know what I'm going to call this, my blank audition. Um, God, now I'm just like playing all these different interviews. Like this happens in interviews. You know what I'm saying? God, okay. I have, I have, I have like a list of people I need to bring onto this podcast. So we'll talk more about this. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, want to thank Travis Atreo for his song, Set Free, for our intro, outro song. And thank you to Marvin Yue, who's my uh, producer and audio engineer for making this podcast happen. Thank you, everybody who's been following First of All, Pat, uh, First of All Pod on Instagram and Twitter, emailing firstofallpod at gmail.com. And those of you, my wonderful patrons on Patreon, thank you so much for supporting this channel. I am recording this in my car again, but just wait, guys. We're going to have a studio sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, if you have anything that you want to ask me, any comments, please give me a shout um, on social media or through email. Please subscribe and please leave a five-star review. It really does make it uh, more accessible to others. The reviews do matter, and I appreciate everybody tuning in, apparently from all over the world. Hi, from Los Angeles. I am sending you love and light. Hope you're doing well in your quarter of the of the earth. And uh, yeah, this is just a really fun journey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week on episode 12 of First of All. Take care. First of All is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. Please check out our website, podcastpotluck.com, and check out some of the other amazing podcasts out there, including Collabcast, which is the other podcast that I host, along with Marvin Yue, for Collaboration, a nonprofit supporting Asian American artists. Check it out. Good stuff out there. Thanks for listening. She gets her bags out, pack her soon enough, it's time. To let go of all she sees Her heart is hurting knowing well that it's alright
Cause life is more than just a memory She said, it's time, I'm ready to go I'm leaving my tears on the side of the road Cause this ain't how life's supposed to be